Hello, I'm Pete Raby, CEO of the X4 Group, and you are listening to the Leadership Learns podcast. I'm a big believer, like many of you, that good leadership takes a hunger to learn and reflect. And when we open up about our own experiences, we give others permission to do the same. The Leadership Learns podcast brings you inspiring stories from diverse global leaders from a range of different organizations and industries and how they innovate and improve to become the best possible leader. With me today is Jason Foster. Jason is the founder and chief executive at Synergia, a data and analytics strategy company with a mission to create a better future for all through the positive use of data. He's co-author of the book, Data Means Business, is featured in the Data IQ 100 Most Influential People in Data 2020 and 2021, and also hosts the Hub and Spoken podcast. Jason, thanks for being with me. How are you and how on earth has the last 12 months been for you? Hey, Peter, thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, the last 12 months have been very interesting, to say the least. You know, from a personal perspective, um, luckily, health of me and my family and most people around me has been good from a sort of COVID perspective. Um, so pretty lucky and, and uh, grateful there. Uh, tough being at home with the family and the kids. Um, and happy that they are now back at school. And uh, but business-wise has been great. Um, we've been we've been really fortunate to be in a position that we're able to support organisations in the work that we do, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And we've had a good we've had a we've had a really good run for 12 months or so now, and, and really pleased with with how things have panned out from that perspective. So so yeah, it's been a very interesting, full of ups and downs, um, and uh, yeah, roller coaster as always. And and, and were you doing? your full role whilst homeschooling like have you got children at school age was it that yeah. full on yeah so well the first the first lockdown we made the what we now know is the classic mistake of basically trying to do all of it all at once you know homeschooling with the right hand and working with the left hand and you know trying to teach maths with one part of the brain and, and answer a phone call or type emails at the same time that was horrendous that didn't work that was horrible life was hard <laughs> um Second lockdown, more recently, we, we divided and conquered a bit more. I'm slightly fortunate in that my wife is a teacher. So our, we, we managed to put our children in as, as key workers into the school, which helped both them get the sort of tr- education they needed, but also um, me and my wife were able to, to focus and concentrate. So we were a bit lucky for a few days a week at least. But no, we, we divided and conquered. We didn't work when we were when we were homeschooling, we found that was the most effective way of doing it and, and not try to sort of do too much at once, just shifted the day around so that it worked. We're going to break this into a couple of areas. I'd be fascinated to hear, like everyone's got a very unique journey about how they've got to where they've got to today, Jason. So we're going to spend a, a bit of time on that to begin with before we get on to, you know, biggest learning curves over that last 12 months and, you know, what, what how your business has positioned and pivoted and changed in the last 12 months, because I know that we've had some quite revolutionary things that we've had to do and some quite dramatic things we've had to do. And there's been, I've been surprised with the amount of leaders that I've spoken to in a really positive sense that feel like their businesses are so much better now than they actually were compared to 12 months ago, which is always an interesting angle. But let's talk about that beginning bit to begin with then, how you've got where you are. I, I love asking people about you know their education bits and pieces and childhood, but what I really would, a question I'd love to pose to you, Jason, just to see if it's had any way affected where you ended up is, Worst or most memorable early job or c- couple of jobs that really made you think this is where I want to be or this is definitely not where I want to be and how that's influenced you today. So let's let's kick off with that one. Worst job? Well, I've had a few. I've had a few bad jobs. So I, I had. Um, I'm not sure this has shaped, shaped me at all. By the way, it's just a. I suppose a funny anecdote. But I had a. 
I took a job one summer, must have been after secondary school, yeah, before university. So I think the summer after I finished school, before I went to uni, something like that. Um, so early 20, uh, late teens, early 20s, can't remember now. It was, it was uh, basically phone bashing for a, so in telesales uh, for a company that sold a coating that goes on the outside of your house to protect it from weathering. It was called. It was called. Nice. I think it was called Maztec or something by Texcoat, and uh, it was. It was not. Put it this way: it wasn't the most professional outfit you could you could uh, go in. And I, and I lasted a few days, and the job was literally to go down the phone book and, and call people. And I only got any sort of commission if I managed to get through this hour long conversation I needed with them. Then the salesperson that actually went had the two hour sales pitch with the with the uh, with the people there, and then I might earn you know two pound fifty for my for my effort. So. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I lasted probably about a week on that job. Um, and, and look, it's a great. I, I did some tele sales at university as well. I mean, I, I thought mine was relatively tough, but selling magazine subscriptions for two or three hours a night wasn't anything compared to what you're talking about about a no, phone. That was, that's pretty brutal. No, that was a nightmare. And also in terms of like early, uh, early, you know, early working experience, uh, Jason, like. Were you someone that did a lot of different jobs? Because there were some people, I, I'm so jealous of these people that seem to get into something that they are passionate about and do jobs like that forevermore and like, they just get better and better at them. Whereas I know that I've done everything from pot washing in a kitchen to telesales to pushing trolleys at Sainsbury's. And I, I think all of those are very useful to kind of, you know, start to help about what the kind of environment that you want to be in and person you want to be when you get older. How, how about your variety of jobs you've done when you were younger? Yeah, the, the the variety early on was really just you know the money earning thing you do when you're younger. Um, but once I sort of finished uni and got into got into sort of work, so I, I part of my degree actually I did a placement um, year. So it was a four year course where the third year was a, was in industry, and I landed a job as a business analyst, which I didn't know what it was at the time at uh, Debenhams in their head office, um, and I spent the year. Um, I essentially in that year I ran an end-to-end project to implement a system. It was quite incredible for a well, I must have been what nine uh, yeah nineteen and um, and I took a requirement and I built this whole thing. I went through the whole waterfall cycle and I delivered this project and it was an incredible experience. And they invited me back for uh, the graduate scheme afterwards. So I sort of went back to university in the final year with this with this job sort of already lined up. So I went back there as a project manager and business analyst, working in lots of different things: some data stuff, some data science, some uh, marketing CRM projects. I rolled out wedding scanners into the stores for their wedding service. I did all, all sorts of different projects. I helped roll out their customer, certain new customer service center. So it was quite a variety. Fairly, what then was quite a traditional IT business analyst and project management role. Um, and the, um, the the work dried up a little bit. The projects dried up. The, the, we had some new owners that just stripped everything back, took all the budgets away. And I got I got a little bit bored. It was my first job out of uni. I wanted to move quickly. And it, it was sort of, I didn't really see much progression. So I, I started to look around and I, I basically ended up, I fell into a, uh, I met someone, bumped into someone and I ended up um, interviewing for this company. It was a small, uh, I think there was maybe 10 people in this consulting business um, and I joined, I joined there and I grew, I, I worked with them for, and I grew, helped grow that company and we grew it to um, about a hundred people and we got acquired. And I was, I was basically helping with sort of project management and, and eventually sort of strategic development of clients and strategic advisory work and running the practice, you know, the consulting practice and, and an old boss of mine, uh, Jack Paljita uh, got in touch and he'd just taken a role at, at Marks and Spencer. Um, and he said to me, um, do you fancy coming along? And I was like, so I love I love working with you. So yeah, what's the job? And he said, I'm not sure. It's something to do with big data. 
and sort of help run big data for m and at the time it was when big data was the new phrase on the block and i was like well that sounds interesting but i kind of could do in knowing what the job is he said honestly i do not know what the job will be but we'll work it out together i went across and, and worked at m and for uh, coming on to three years it was um and i ran i ran big data that essentially meant help build their uh, data capability um i built a team of 30 people um, I ran the uh, implementation of their loyalty and, and membership club Sparks. So I rolled that out for the organization and, and it was a lot of fun. We did so much stuff in three years, learned a whole load of things, um, really kind of high pressure environment, but but very satisfying. Did some of the best work I've done in my career actually there. Um, and then I left there um, three, three years later and, and set up Synergy. And, and I've been growing that and scaling that ever since. So it's sort of, as I say, as I got into my career, I sort of have taken this kind of steady step towards from sort of, you know, low-level BA to running practices to leading teams to, you know, um, implementing you know, multi-million pound projects. It's taken quite a steady, steady route, um, not planned. It sort of just happened. When I sat down to set up Synergy with a blank sheet of paper, it was pretty obvious to me. It was, well, essentially the, the, the idea was was help companies do what I'd just done at M&S. That was kind of like the, the underlying thing and then obviously i helped that to kind of construct a proposition around it and and everything so and i and i knew i, I loved being consulting before that i did 10 years in in consulting and it's such a fun i've always loved it it was such a fun game I was in a great company um doing it so I, I i just collided those two things i just said let me go and set up a business that it was actually it, what the other side was i wanted to set up a business that i wish had existed when i was at mns that i could have brought in to help us go on the journey like that that company i didn't really find when I was looking, when I was working there, and I, I just went, well, let me set that up, and and that's sort of how it how it grew. So, it, it was yeah, it's sort of built on a twenty year career, basically. You've worked for the might of an M and S. You've enjoyed doing the consulting thing. Can you just give me your take on? And now you're running a consultancy, and therefore probably not doing the hands on bit that you were doing when you worked for a big player before. Yeah. Can you just give me how working for a big player now doing what you're doing? The differences between the two, and, and and any of the stark differences that exist that would be useful for listeners to to, to you know to, to to think about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of what I noticed from going from consulting into M and S was in consulting, I was quite used to going in and having a conversation at a very senior level from the very first minute of the of the relationship and and owning a discussion at that level um, easily. It was just that it was just second nature. It's just what we did. I went to M and S. And all of a sudden, you're you're in a kind of you're in a machine, and you, you don't automatically have access to the people that that I once had access to to help implement and drive. So I had to learn quite quickly how you how you sort of navigate around that. So the, the sort of biggest difference is just well, a the scale, frankly, but b the the ability to influence and access the the people that you need to to make data really work in an organization. And the the, the culture is quite different, you know. And the, the company I was at was quite small, you know. It was, as I say, it was a hundred people. So going to an M and S um, is is a stark difference. So just that scale is is so different. That's more a scale thing rather than a you know consulting versus industry. And then I mean, the differences are huge from that to what I'm doing now in terms of um, in terms of the the, the style. But I, I think I think the the main difference the the other main difference I think is is whilst we always used to talk about strategic partnerships with our customers and and working on it together you, you never really owned the problem 
And I was really keen to get into an organization and own the problem of you know solving a customer challenge or own some operational efficiencies. I really wanted to own something in industry. Actually, what I found out is whilst you can in such a big company like M&S, you, you're sort of a few, you're always a few steps removed, and it, it's so many people that are responsible and, and contribute and collaborate to get an outcome that you're kind of one part of a of a, of a you know one cog in a in a machine sort of thing. Would you say that having been involved in a large beast and seen the good things and the bad things, and then coming out and, and having done the kind of small consulting before, I mean, I'd have imagined that that had been pretty intrinsic to you being able to do what you're doing now. Would that be fair? or have I- Yeah, no, it's absolutely right. It's, it's part of one of our key um, selling points, if you like, is that we, we not just me, but our, our entire business and the, and the team that, that, that work on our projects and, and working clients have been in industry. We've, we've all got scars. We, we know what it's like to get CapEx signed off. We know what it's like to to try and implement change in a big and a small organization. We, we've got those scars. We, we know what it's like to be, be both a buyer and a seller. So we know what, what process people need to go through so we can help them through that. We know what process people need to go through to deliver projects so we can help people through that. Um, we can help make our customers be better buyers and we can sell better because we've, we've been on the other side of the fence. In lots and lots of ways, I'm really looking forward to this first series of the of the podcast being over because it means that we won't be just reflecting on the <laughs> pretty cataclysmic last 12 months in so many ways, right? But I do think as a business leader, it's been such a, a useful and eventful journey for us and myself. We started in 2008, our business in 2008, the last time the world was in not a great place for very different reasons. Mm. And obviously now we've just had the last 12, 12 months. And I think it'd be great to share with all the listeners about you know, what things each leader has gone through in whatever, be it a technology, life sciences or communications business and to see the things that different leaders are facing across all these different sectors. But let's go back 12 months almost exactly. What was your initial reaction uh, when it was all kicking off? Lockdown came in. I know how mine was, that's for sure. It wasn't exactly a, 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 a calm one, thinking what on earth is about to be unfold here. What was your reaction 12 months ago? Yeah. It was interesting timing because we we would we would really just started picking up. We, we'd had a tough tough 12 months, um, not not bad, but 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 quite challenging. 12 months before lockdown and and just sort of January, February and early March, we were seeing a real turn in people's interest in, in, in working with us and solving their data challenges and all sorts of things. So, so we were like, we were buzzing, right? We were, we were at a nice sort of, as you said before, spring in our step. We were, we were, we were really sort of happy with what we were seeing and, and some of the things we've been working on were coming together. And then this brick wall hit and other than a bunch of swear words, uh, it was a real, it was a real like, ah oh man, we, we've just kind of got our mojo. We're just moving forward. We're just getting the momentum. We've got a load of nice stuff. We've got some great projects about to drop. Um, we were like, we were fe- really feeling positive. And, and, and there was a moment where we were just like, man, this is, this is going to be a disaster. But I, I, I've, I've reflected quite a lot about that moment. And I, I, I think that I have just after that initial kind of like, ah, what's going to happen? I, I kind of got my act together quite quickly. And sort of needed to kind of figure out, well, how do we respond? And, um, you know, I was listening, I was talking to mates. I've got mates in, in financial services. In uh, I've got a mate who's owns a, who run, who's an FD, a, a big restaurant chain, and he was having to shut everything, you know. And I was hearing them talking about what they're doing and reacting, and they've got to sort this out, and government, you know, support. And they were scaring me, frankly, about, about what I needed to do. And I, I was kind of like listening to all this stuff, thinking, well, what do we do? And, but I, I kind of hit this moment pretty quickly of absolute clarity, like really weird, like complete clarity about what we needed to do. 
Um, and it was a, like, it was, a, uh, and I, I reckon over the five years I've been running this business, it was a moment where I, I, I just knew, I don't know why I just knew, um, how I needed to, how we needed to react and respond. And we put together this kind of like plan for the team, if you like it, where it was a, it was a, it was principles really, rather than a plan, which at the time we called, um, leading through adversity. And the idea was that we, that we went almost back to first principles and we had a really strong culture in the business anyway, of, of the kind of things that we put in this plan. but. We went back to, I was like, what are we about? What are we trying to achieve here? What do we, what, who are we trying to serve? What are they going through? Um, what is it that we want to be known for? How do we want to be seen off, out the back of this? And how do we not profiteer from this situation? So those were kind of like the things that I was that just, and I, I just, I don't know why it came to me once I got that, clar- that clarity in my head, I, we put this plan together, which was, I mean, it, it's, it's not nothing rocket science really, but it was all about making sure first and foremost that our team were fine and that we not what you were about. We were supporting each other. We had each other's backs. We were empathetic to each other's situation. We were looking after, you know, physical and mental health. We were remembering what our purpose and our core values were as a company. We were so together and collaborative and, and, and supporting each other. I was like, um, I was, I was really proud of that actually. And then, and then the other bits were all about um you know being innovative so so thinking about how do we continue to trade and do the thing that we do in different and creative ways what we i said i said to remember saying to the team what used to work before you just assume it won't work anymore and we have but we have to carry on doing the job so so how do we how do we find ways to make that work and um, we found some cool tools that we now use and, and they've become just normal um the other one that was that was kind of you know almost at the heart of what we do as a business which is help advise on data is we wanted to just make our decisions based on the data that we had, not on the on our intuition and our and the fear that was, or more not the fear that was sort of, you know, if you watch the news, if you listen to everybody, you know, you've got to sack everyone, you've got to strip back costs. It was like, no, no, let's do this based on data. And the data was saying that the market was still interested in doing the stuff that we did. And we just sort of traded carefully through that. And then good old standard financial control came into play. And, I, and that was our sort of principles of our plan to trade through this. And it was back to basics, basically. And, and, and that's how we kind of got through those first few months. There's some very, very similar things. I think I, I describe it as a blank piece of paper time, right? Mm. Probably similar to what you said, right? what are we here for? What's the purpose? And it's like yeah. when you have a crisis of this magnitude, you've got to go, right, hold up a second. What What is this? What are we like? What are we not like? And what are we going to do about both of those things effectively? Yeah. So I can really relate to that. First principles, I, I also, we called it at the time. Just back to exactly first principles. Right. Yeah, exactly. And 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 but the also the the coming together in tough times. I've I've said it many, probably way too many times over the last twelve months. But the time when character is shown isn't when the times are good, but it's when times are tough, right? And I think the reality is, good people have have, have got going, and we've seen some astonishing performances within our business during that time of people that have said, right, I'll take your tough conditions, and I'll. No, I'm going to adapt. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to be innovative. I'm going to do things as we haven't done before. And I think as a business leader, giving people the freedom and the platform to be able to do that isn't something we've been great with before. And we wanted to make sure that there's no idea in these times. It's silly. You've got an idea. We've got something called a future forum where we go, right, any ideas that people have got, let's share them. Let's talk about them as a group and see how it could be. Because I think if you can create an environment of trust and that people want to share and collaborate on ideas, in some ways, for organisations that didn't have a culture of those these kind of things that we've just been talking about, this was tough times, right? This was everyone, no one in line of sight, no one, no, we don't know what hours anyone's doing, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And, and I know business leaders that were nervous about, you know, how do we how do we hold our culture together? How do we hold our teams together? How do we know what they're doing? How do we make sure they're working on the right stuff? 
It's like, well, if you didn't know that before and there wasn't a culture of this kind of way of working and togetherness and, and um, supporting each other and, and that kind of thing, then it's it was really hard, I think, in those early days. But, um, you know, we were really fortunate that just the values required through a, through a moment like that we were just really well. We were really well set up for it, and physically, actually, we, we were set up as a pretty um, uh, distributed business anyway. So, so our technology allowed us to continue, you know, trading because it was all cloud. Our, our tools that we we were already using things like Zoom and Slack, and so we had all this stuff in place. And we weren't. It wasn't just there. We were using it actively. So, um, we were very, as I say, we were very fortunate that we were able to sort of pivot. But I think if you don't have a culture of that. Then it's really hard to move to move to a culture like that overnight when you're not with anyone. Would you would you describe anything as your biggest learning curve over the last twelve months, Jason? Anything that struck you as, yeah, that's been a pretty big challenge I've had to get to grips with. I think the I don't think it's off the back of a problem actually. I just think that so it's not like something went that something's gone bad and I've learned through that. It's more just learning how interest how how up for people are to for being together right for for help for collaborating and 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 particularly in in sort of the data community uh, um there's been a real i've been sort of quite not shocked actually as the sort of negative connotations but i suppose pleasantly surprised at how people have come together because i think i think in in trying times it's easy to sort of go into a go into your own you know be blinkered right and and, and just work, look after yourself and you know we've seen this in society actually with 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 support for nhs and that sort of thing but I just think even in these microcosms of, of industries and situations, I, I think that that's been the biggest learning for me is just how, you know, where, where there's a where there's a clear purpose and a clear goal um, and a clear outcome and and, a, and, a, and an alignment of expectation. I think I think that people are people want to be part of it, and, and I, I've been I've been really pleased that that that's kind of happened, and both it, you know, as I say, within my company, but in the sort of wider wider um, community as well. Have there been some significant challenges to the business since COVID's kicked in? Have you, have you had to really reposition where you've been in the market? Have you had to do things in a very new way? How, how How's that worked? Again, I, I think what, what people, what our, our customers and the wider organizations have, have, have kind of recognized is that, is that the everything around us has changed and, and the, the need to have insight into what's happening, what's gone before, what could happen going forward and what's happening now is more important in in times of adversity and times of you know lack of certainty right you, you you've got to you've got to have your hands at, i've been talking about you've got to have your hands at the wheel of the car and if you don't have your hands at the wheel of the car then it's going to veer off and and we found the um the organizations that are able to to get insight and understand um what's happening what they need to do perform really well so 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 the reason i say that is because of that we've been really well positioned to continue supporting companies do that because that's what we help companies do. Is there any one thing or one or two things that have happened? Again, this is a, a podcast in relation to leadership learns within business, right? Mm. Is there anything, any moment in your life in your leadership or in the last 12 months that has really helped you grow and improve as leader, any kind of moment or anything that's happened that really has helped shape who you are now as a leader? I've had some personal challenges, uh, health challenges, that um, early in my journey as an entrepreneur, actually, that that have helped to clarify what it means to be, you know, what life means basically, and 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 why, and why it's important to kind of care about people and 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 what they're going through. So I, I kind of I kind of have have had some I had a personal health scare in in the first year of trading, 
and it, it just it just gives you it gives you a it gave me a reason to just sit back and go you know what what's this about what do I want to what do I want to be how do I want to be perceived how do I want to leave you know what legacy do I want to leave my family and the, and 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 in business life and and with my friends and that sort of thing and they just I think you know I, I think they've given me an an underlying principle as a as a leader to the support you know supportive and gives people space to to develop and grow because you don't you never know what's gonna you know you don't know what's gonna happen next so we've just got to get put it put we've got to allow people to be in a position where they can grow and develop and i don't know it's just giving me an appreciation for for people a bit more and i think that that helps me as a leader i think it sounds undoubtedly it would and i I actually think it's a it's a really interesting learn from your background but also to what it means today because i feel like I've seen way more humanity between people, the appreciation of people working in shops, the appreciation of people working on buses and and, and public transport. I think at the moment, at least, there is still that feel-good feeling where there's the less, you know, live and work in central London. It's not exactly renowned for being one of the friendliest places on earth, but yet I've I've definitely seen still at the moment there's people – just not being quite as hard on each other and just being a little bit more humane to people and that little bit. Is that going to last, Jason, or is that going to sadly going to be one of those things that lasts for three or six months and everyone will forget about it when, you know, when it's all kicking off again? What, what, what do you think? Are you an optimist or are you a realist? What do you think? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm an I don't know, or I don't know what that's called, but I, I just, yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. I do hope so. And, um, uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. There's a real there's a real kind of like togetherness. I, there's obviously there's there's pockets, and you know if you're on social media, actually, there's probably the opposite of what you've just said is what it feels like sometimes. Certainly on, on Twitter, but yeah, I, I think I, I I love that. Right, it's it's at the heart of, of what one of my underlying principles of how to just be a good human, <laughs> and and that helps me run a that helps me run a business. And I I, I hope I, yeah I hope so. I, I don't know, and and you know you can see you know there were some challenges before. Um, Certainly in the UK before before uh, COVID hit with the elections and Brexit and everything, and there was some real division, and and that division I think you know actually you know, it's weird in a perverse way I quite enjoyed how together we all were in March last year we were all in we were all kind of in this right we, we were all you know and everyone was was looking out for each other everyone was carrying it and it didn't it didn't go the other way which is everyone sort of went really selfish and focused on themselves only and yeah i think that went away a little bit actually quite quite quickly but it never went away completely and maybe that's because we're still in the pandemic i don't know but um yeah i'm 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 hopeful yeah i li- i like it i'm going to you know what i'm going to stick with you exactly on that sentiment i'm i'm hopeful too and hopefully that togetherness that this you know hopefully this will be this generation's big big challenge and if there can be some real big learns that can last for a bit of time off the back of it and, and treating people humanely. I really like that quote from you there, being a good human helps me run a business. I think that's a really, really apt way of, of looking at things, actually. Well, that's what, I think that's, and, and, you know, will it continue? I think it was your question. I think all, all you can do is just make sure that you continue it and, and hope that that, you know, you can't change what other people do particularly. So, you know, I just, you know, demonstrate it. Is there something as a leader that requires more regular attention or effort from you? I'm a, famously bad organizer of my own time my calendar is just a to-do list every single day with no color apparently that's not a very good way of managing the balance between strategic and day-to-day things i know that i have to work at to be competent at it let alone good at it is there anything that requires more regular attention from you on a on a regular basis i have a terrible memory absolutely shocking memory and i've trained myself over the years to get around that by either having lists but actually, how I tend, how how it happens in reality is I rehearse it constantly in my head 
I'm just constantly reminding myself of the things that need doing. It drives me mad, actually. But a combination of those two things, it, it helps me not to not forget stuff. But it, it means I'm always checking and double checking myself, which is quite draining. Um, so that's one. I, I think I think the other one is, and I, I just, you know what? I, since I set the company up, I've never I'd never had a, a a performance review, other than kind of like anecdotal feedback and and what, you know what you feel around you. But I, I we we did a round of um, performance reviews with the team as we do. Um, tightened up a little bit how we do it this year, but I asked one of my team to to basically do a review for me as if he was my boss. So my CTO, James Lupton, sat down with me and we did a review. We did a, he got feedback from the team. He, he, you know, we talked through, we do stop, start, continue. We went through the feedback. We talked about why I should stop doing, start doing, continue doing. And then we came up with a personal development plan for me. Um, but he, he, he coached me through it rather than the other way around in it. And it was, um, that, that was, that, that was one of the things I need to work at is, is, um, you know, proactively and, and, and consciously, developing in the things that i i need developing in um and I, I anyone who's running a business if you've not had i know i know lots of people get sort of outside coaches and that kind of thing to help run the business but i think it was a really nice thing to get one of the team to to i mean it was good for him and it was good for me so i would uh, advise others to do that it was great fun but yeah the reality of senior leadership team and who actually does reviews and bits and pieces there could be some nice flexibility there so thanks for that great. idea that sounds like yeah. a really good one what does great leadership look like to you I think I don't know what's worked. All I know is what's worked for me, right? And um, and I don't even know if I'm a great leader, but you know we've got some positive things happening. So if I if I sort of use that, I I, I think having clarity of, of of where you're heading, you could call that purpose, you could call it a vision, you could call it a plan, even a strategy, but just having clarity over where you're going, um, having a clear set of values that you live and breathe by, not just that you write down and, and stick them up on the wall, but that, that they, you know, the, the cultural norms are your, are your values rather than you've got some values written down and there's a separate culture. I, I think having those two things and connecting them and then living and breathing it day in, day out and, and consistently, I, I, I think that's what's, that's what's worked for me over the years and dem- demonstrate them, you know, not, not just write them down, not just talk about them, not just ask other people to live and breathe by them, but genuinely work towards the goal and live and, breathe and behave in the way that you that you want and expect others to that that's that's my underlying stuff i think that word that summarized it all is is, it's genuine like from Mm. from the great businesses that we've seen around the world there's one if if there's a great leader at the top of it their businesses reflect who they are some of them will be pretty rude and straight talking other ones will be an extremely holistic approach other ones it will be but as you say it's genuine to the person doing what you're doing so i think that's a yeah yeah, I think there's some really good points there. Right, let's get on to um, the, the, the final couple of questions, which are some nice, light heart pieces, but hopefully still uh, some things to learn as well. Any any best book or podcast that you could recommend from um, the last couple of months that you would recommend other listeners to, to get stuck into? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of reading. I, I started a book a month challenge, just I don't share it, but just myself, which I'm actually more like on two books a month these days, but um, it's been great. A bounce between businessy sort of help books and uh but then i always will will every other one i'll do a novel because i like just losing myself in in that but there's kind of three businessy books i've read recently which i i, uh, I think people i've really enjoyed anyway so there's one called um banking on it by ann bowden so she set up starling bank um actually she she and she had a her, her co-founder or her cto um, went off left and set up um monzo so between between those two guys, they they set up the the sort of challenger banks, the online challenger banks. Brilliant book, great story, really really easy to read. 
and, and how you change a whole whole industry. It's fantastic. Um, I'm reading one right now. It's only part of the way through called A World Without Work by um, a guy called Daniel Suskind. And he's talking about the different kind of revolu- industrial revolutions and different sort of changes that w- we've been through and the threat of technology on what it would do to us as humans and, and our and work. Um, so fascinating look at, at, at the different stages that we've gone through and technology change and that sort of thing. Brilliant book. Um, and then one that sort of has made me think most, really, really interesting, again, also quite short and easy to read, is a book called No Rules Rule by Reed Hastings. Um, he's the founder of um, Netflix. Fascinating look at the culture of Netflix and, and, and how they do feedback and how they do um, honesty and, and candor within the business. Really, really great. And, and it's full of stories from the people that work there. Um, and it's been great. And, and also, if I'm allowed a cheeky fourth, then I, I launched my own book. Uh, I think it's quite timing for this podcast, but I launched my own book called uh, Data Means Business. And uh, it's looking at how organizations can uh, use data effectively to deliver their business business goals. Um, so, um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's all right yeah. just to do a little pitch for Absolutely. that one. Some really good ones. And definitely a couple. The Reed Hastings one sounds interesting because the, the book I've read recently, Radical Candor by Kim Scott, who'd worked for the likes of Sheryl Sandberg and Apple and Google. Right. Um, I don't think she worked for Netflix, but um, there's some really, really good leadership bits in there. So uh, Radical Candle, I can highly recommend. That sounds pretty similar to what Reed Hastings has, has, has talked about as well within Netflix. What are you most proud of as a leader, Jason, or in life so far? Well, I do as a leader because I think life so far is a little bit different. Well, life so far is my kids and, and my family, I guess. But, um, but I, I think the thing I'm proudest of is – you know, when I when I set uh, in in leadership is when I when I set up Synergy, I, I didn't want to just have a sort of transactional business. I wanted a I wanted a, a a sort of brand that that was that was known and and was indispensable in our in our space. And I and I'm you know we're definitely we're, we're nowhere near we're nowhere near that there yet. But in a small way, we're starting to make a bit of a bit of a splash with that. And so I'm really proud of the of the company that I've created and the brand. And you know, this is my first my first go at being a, an entrepreneur and um it's it's been a just an amazing journey and I, i'm i'm just yeah i look back at i look back at it i look back at the growth we've had and and the growth that we've got planned and and i yeah i'm just i'm, I'm proud of being able to create um a brand that people are attracted to and and that's you know more than i could have asked for when i when i set up the business on day one it's probably not a question you get asked a lot jason which is why i wanted to ask it today because i think all oh, like all these things if you're anything like me i don't enjoy that question one little bit but every now and then it's good to pause and just look back right so I do, um, no thanks for asking it no i appreciate that but you've got a free afternoon and evening jason you get to spend it in a pub or restaurant which pub or restaurant you go into and why well pub just whichever is the nearest one because i just need to pull a pint and sit in a beer garden and drink um, so no, I, I literally have no care in the world about which one it is, as long as it's close and I can I can sit there and stagger home. Um, I cannot wait to get back to a restaurant in uh, Primrose Hill in London called Limonia, um, which is the amazing restaurant. Um, and then local, I live in St Albans. Locally, there's a steak restaurant called Prime, um, and I'll be there for a for a. Um, a ribeye or something so yeah cannot cannot wait to be back out jason thank you so much for sharing your journey and leadership learns with us today um no I'm worries, really, it's been fun. i'm sure there's lots out there that's going to resonate with the listeners and like me they'll be taking away some valuable ideas thank you everyone for listening if you've enjoyed the episode please give a five-star rating and share with others in your network speak to you again soon